thank you for joining our conversation on Wow Whispering. I am your host, Diane A. Curran, and it is delightful to be with you. Wow is spontaneous, open, expressive. Whispering is intimate, still, receptive. In our modern age, moments rush in or away like quicksilver. Do we even make the time to savor a wow or reflect on a whisper, to notice and value such gifts? We're ready to do just that with you right now. I am so thrilled to be with everyone today. Oh, I have such a wonderful guest with me. Now, some of you have been listening before to Wow Whispering May Say, Diane, is this your doppelganger? Your voice sounds a little bit different today. Well, I'm doing my very bad Lauren Bacall imitation because got a little bit of sniffles. Many of us do here in LA, so uh, bear with us. And I am very excited. I want to invite my wonderful guest to say a quick hello, and then I'll tell you a little bit about her. Her name is Serena Wright Taylor. Serena, thank you so much for being with us here today. Well, thank you, Diane, and hello, and it's great to be with you. Oh, I am so excited. We were sort of getting our little technology tools all organized here before the, the broadcast, and we realized that we live in a technology age where not all of us are technological, and some of us like to pretend we are, and some of us hopefully stumble into it, but you know, we have such wonderful tools. So Serena and I are in two different necks of the woods right now. We're talking um, telephonically, and what I love about this medium of podcasting is that our voice-to-voice -voice communication really connects us with our listeners in a way that they're, they're listening and our voices can really align. So, Serena, I want to tell people a mm -hmm. little bit about you. Is that okay? Yes. Thank you. So, I have a lot to share with you, and I'm going to just touch on a few aspects because Serena Wright-Taylor, I think, is somebody who embodies what I see as uh, something marvelous about the times we live in. She is a multi-talented and multi-skilled person. She is somebody who is both an award-winning conference producer as well as an intuitive Vedic astrologer who also happens to be a UFO researcher, a writer, a creative artist, and a humanitarian. And she is committed to all of those. And in many ways, they support each other, they amplify each other, and so what I wanted to do is share with you a few little highlights. Serena spent many years in Vedic studies and practice. And she lived in temples and was initiated as a Brahmin. She studied the ancient Vedic civilization and the various extraterrestrial species that are mentioned in the ancient texts and their Vimana spaceships. In fact, Serena's website is called Vimana.org. I'm going to spell that for you. It's V-I-M-A-N-A, -A, so you can learn even more about what she's up to. And she also studied the Vedic arts, such as traditional dances in India, uh, directed and performed plays about the ancient great epics. And oh my gosh, Serena, I find the Vedics and the Hindu stories to be so rich in symbols and expression and such extraordinary stories. Don't you find that to be true? Yes, yeah, and that was the way, um, of course, before technology, <laughs> mm -hmm. even before television and so forth. Mm -hmm. um, that's what, what, and it still does today, um, that's what goes on in India in the villages, that mm -hmm. people can, would get together outside um, and um, have watch something, um, a play or a dance, 
from the Vedic stories, and they're vast, and they're really vast. So, but they also help us on our spiritual journey. So they would be spiritually uplifted at the same time as Maya, the beautiful art and colors, and, and meet each other and, and have a social event. So that's how it was for, for so many years, in, in, you know, ancient times and, and modern times. Now, of course, it isn't so much because of television and, and internet, but out in the villages, they still do it. They still do it, which is wonderful. And of course, the um, Vedic arts are spread all over the world, so we can go to performances in all these things now. So, Serena, you have already opened up some amazing parts of our conversation in which you've really spoken about something that I think many people who, are, who may feel a little <clears throat> overwhelmed or insulated inside of modern technology because it's pretty pervasive. It's in our daily lives. It's yeah. in our homes. I don't personally have an Alexa or anything like that uh, listening to my every word in my house, but I've been to friends' homes where they'll, we'll be talking, we'll be having a conversation. All of a sudden, this little uh, Amazon contraption will sit there and offer something out of the blue because it picked up a word yeah. and said, oh, I know what you want to know more about. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? It's funny, but I mean, it's, it's weird too. It's it like is you're weird. being listened to by someone you don't know is there. Yeah, and, and, we're, <laughs> and, and because it's presented with a human sounding voice, you think, oh, so Alexa understands what I'm talking about. No, she just, she or it yeah. is just picking up certain syllables and combinations of sound patterns saying, oh, I know what you want to know yeah. more about. Here it is. And you may not know, want, to, want to know more about that at all at that moment so right so well, they might I, be ordering something for you, you you don't want and it'll arrive in the mail well have you seen that that, that story the stories about the yeah. dog who was ordering all the products online <laughs> yeah. that's so hilarious yeah. but um so that's a reminder that as you're speaking about the villages and the the idea of storytelling is an organic human connection it is mm. wonderful to really be reminded of something that I particularly want to leap into today because this is part of my very first series of three podcasts that I'm calling The Skies Above, in which I'm focusing in on a combination of, we'll call it symbolism and science, astrology mm -hmm. and astronomy, and how, as you know, they were once one, united and unified. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, nowadays we, we kind of have that left brain and right brain idea of life separated. So I'm intrigued with right. the fact that your studies in the Vedic tradition, and I, have, I of course, uh, Serena and I have had so many wonderful conversations about astrology because we each practice a slightly different discipline. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. With Serena in the Vedic tradition, and I'm in the Western tropical tradition, we have lots of things that are, that match up, and we have lots of things that look and sound different in terms of the symbols and the sets of of data that we use, but there's so mm -hmm. much we share in common. And it reminds me of something that I oftentimes say that, you know, back in the day, people were curious about life in the world and they looked up into the skies, which were bright during the day and filled with glittering objects during the night. Yeah. And they said, how can we use this to make sense of the world? And you know, those patterns. And as you mm -hmm. know, Serena, the word planets mm -hmm. means wanderer. So we looked at those wanderers in the sky and said, what do they mean? So I'm intrigued with your sense of what the Vedics noticed about the skies above that really captured the imagination that continues on right into the modern age with their traditions of accumulating 
information and observations and yes you know um yes well the jyotia veda is part of the veda veda really means knowledge so um so there's vast amounts of of um, of knowledge or vedas um and just for instance um and actually i was giving you the example in a recent talk at the expo that um even though you don't think about vedic astrology much perhaps you would be um thinking like someone might be thinking about the um the ayurveda which is medicine so if you go to a, a natural doctor a natural healer they they might suggest to you some oils some ayurvedic oils so that's mm. from the ayurveda which is the veda of life or knowledge of life and so similarly there's the jyotia veda which is light knowledge of light so yeah just like you're saying they looked up and saw the light so this is the knowledge of the light and um and it's so much it's very very ancient we, we look at it you know people who who study the vedas and, and and anyone who's really a vedic scholar or something um they think of it as or we think of it as being so ancient that it's beyond before this planet before you know it goes beyond it goes to other planets too of course they'd have their own astrology but the vedas are given uh they they were um uh like from a higher source but people in the more advanced because we look at the past ages as being more advanced um the vedic civilization highly advanced spiritually and so they would pass it down by words it's like innate knowledge you just know about the different planets and there's, there was also people who visited from the other planets and some of those for other dimensions they're not all just what you can see they're other dimensions so they would visit and um and it was innate knowledge that these planets were occupied by beings that some um have an influence of of knowledge some of them might have an influence for for love um some of them might more be more um of discipline like saturn mm -hmm. but they all they they knew you know innately about this and then it had to be written down in the vedic what we, what's known as the texts or the scriptures Mm -hmm. for the age of kali which is this age which we're about five thousand years into so um because of the short lifetime actually it's shorter than those ancient civilizations and um and people are more um more ignorant really is the word we're all more ignorant now and um also we don't have a lot of abilities um from the vedic civilization because people things like remote viewing that was very um easy then um and so um someone could know something that was going on somewhere else um and um maybe not everybody but that would be something that they could know um the things like levitation mm -hmm. um that was a an ability that some people might have and to be able to for building um and they would use sound vibration or mantras so when you see some of the great megaliths and how did these stones move well they would might use mantra or this other ability that we don't have now um so yeah all those different abilities they're described in there so some people might think oh this is fairy stories you know um <laughs> but actually um that the other planets they have the more advanced people on the other planets have those abilities and there was a lot of um abilities that they had in the vedic civilization well it is really a rich tradition that clearly has um developed out of a lot of uh, thoughtful I'm going to say exploration, meditation, contemplation, visionary gifts. You know, these days we we live in a time period where I mentioned about multi-talented individuals and particularly here mm -hmm. in Los Angeles, I notice that there is a real openness to people doing more than one thing 
and being considered to be um, expressing more of their potential rather than a dilettante or a jack of all trades, master of none. Mm -hmm. And and so I find that we're in a time period where, you know, one of the things I'm so uh, inspired by as I talk to people on, on this podcast is how many people really have delved into different aspects of life and then they find their unique way of blending different traditions together. And in, in, in simple experiences like when people have, we'll say, intuitive gifts, and sometimes mm-hmm. they're presented as people who dream effectively. And I wanted to share a wow that you mentioned to me that I would like to hear more from you about. And that is that you said, for you, there's a wow where amazing educational dreams are not really dreams. What, what are they? I'd love to hear yeah. more about what that means to you. Yes, and I think, you know, many listeners may have that. I'm sure you have that happen where you, you have it. Well, it happens while you're asleep and not mm-hmm. all the time. You, you mm-hmm. can have mixed up strange dreams too, just mm-hmm. like, you know, they say, and we all know about. But then there's other ones where you have an experience or you learn something that you, when you wake up, the proof is that it was real, is that you know something you didn't know before. You have an ability that you didn't know before. Um, you heal from something that, that you were trying to, to help yourself with. All kinds of things. Um, or you know, know something you didn't know. And um, uh, my earlier ones when I was little were um, seeing the universe. So this would happen occasionally. Um, because I loved playing in the garden and looking in the pond in the garden and um, playing with the little um, uh, larvae of insects and putting mm-hmm. them in jars and studying a book when I was old enough to read. I would I even re- the first reading I couldn't even I didn't even know of course all those Latin names, but I would study. I would want to be an entomologist, you know. So my my head was always in the pond. But then sometimes at night, not all the time, but sometimes in that hypnagogic state when you're going to sleep usually or waking um the ceiling wouldn't be there i'd see the universe i'd see close-up planets um not just as point you know a little point little star but like the moon but there'd be other ones in the like as if i was traveling in space but i would Mm. be sitting in the grass in the so-called dream and i would see spaceships i didn't know what they were called i didn't call them even flying saucers then because i didn't know um and i'd see different beings in space but the idea I think that I was learning was what is in the pond is in space. It's full of life, like you look in the pond and it's full of life. That's what I was learning. So I had that innate understanding from very young um, about life in other worlds. And so I was naturally always drawn to those parts of the information, even with the Vedas. I was studying all kinds of things in the Vedas, but I was always attracted to that. And nowadays I will still have dreams that are educational. Um, but very very often, it's like I, I always look at it as a spirit spirit guide. Some people think it might be a UFO, but I'm not aware that I'm on a UFO necessarily. It's other dimensional, um, mm-hmm. and we have very kind, very benevolent teachers. And I'm sitting at a desk, um, and I'm learning various things. And um, and what I find really interesting about these experiences is that. I know all the other people. Sometimes I do know some of the people in the room, or if it is a room, you know, but not mm-hmm. always. But what, what I sense is that we're all connected. The most amazing part of it is that I'm not judgmental and I know I'm not being judged. And we do all tend, to, I mean, I tend to be a little bit um, judgmental of people if they're 
um, you know, maybe eating the wrong kind of food that's not good for them or something. Because I'm thinking about one particular class I had, which was about food and um, learning about having a little raw food every day. And the teacher was saying, you don't have to be extreme. Just have a little raw vegetables or, or fruit every day. This will help the blood. And we were seeing the cells of the blood in some kind of hologram. Yeah. But I, I felt connected and, and not judged and not, and not um, judging others just completely connected to all the other people. It was such a powerful experience. And then another time we were healing somebody, we were in a circle and I was thinking, well, when I go back, I knew I was somewhere and I knew I was coming back here. I'm going to do this. That's what I was thinking. And mm -hmm. I forget that the teacher can, in that situation, can uh, they're all speaking telepathically to us. Of course, they heard me say that. And so the teacher said, you can do this if you know the secret, and the secret is to do it without ego. And so um, that was really meaningful because then, you know, like there's no limit of what we can do if we're not thinking, oh, it's me, it's me, I did that. And, um, and also the fact that we were in a circle working together to heal someone. And that really shows, you know, there's the power of everyone together, everyone together, um, not having an ego, but working together on the same idea of helping this other person. Or other situation it may be it may be you know world peace or anything um let's all connect together and not try to get any um uh admiration for it in just as one person but as a group mm -hmm. um so all those things yeah so that's that continues to be even though i've had various teachers in life um that is those dreams those educational dreams learn so much i learn so much in them and i think we don't always remember everything but it'll come out because it goes into us and it comes out. Maybe when I'm doing a reading for someone, I might know something I didn't know or how I knew it, but I received it in, in one of these educational dreams. Things like that will happen. You know, it's so fascinating to hear you tuning into something which a person could say, but that's invisible. Therefore, how can I know it's real? And yet, mm. if you think about, there's something really extraordinary about the fact that we now have the capacity here on earth, it's taken us a while to do it, to have these little, I, I call them our little tinfoil spacecraft, they go up there and they get beyond mm. our gravitational force field and they start to see the world is way bigger, the universe is way bigger, our galaxy is more extraordinary than we can see from here on earth. So there is a lot that's occurring that we can't physically, literally see with our eyes. In fact, one of the mm -hmm. things I like most about traditional Vedic astrology is that it works with the planets that we can see with the naked eye all the way up through Saturn. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so it, it really is, a, it is something that has a, a strong tradition of being rooted in what human beings were always capable of seeing. Of course, nowadays we have modern light, so we don't even see Saturn. We don't see much if we're in the city, but right. yeah. we can sense it's out there. And we now have equipment, little inventions that go out there and say, no, there really is all this out there. And it's, it's <laughs> yeah. presented to us in a form of light or energy or wave or impression, something that is mm -hmm. barely physicalized in a way that we, we can hold on to. We, we have a reflection of that image and we look at it. Mm -hmm. But that reminds me that I wanted to um, mention something that I think kind of dives out of this, which is this idea of time. The idea that the Vedic sense of time is far more expanded and huge than the little calendar we're using now 
uh, most people on earth are using. And mm -hmm. that is the one that we're in right now that says, oh, on March 5th, 2019, we're going to have Mercury going backwards in the sky. What the heck does that mean? Well, that brings yeah. up the whole yeah. question of retrograde planets, which yeah. as you and I both know, doesn't exist. <laughs> it's just, yeah. a, it's a view that we have here on earth that says, when we see planets moving, there's an angle between which our earth and the sun and the planet appear to show that planet going backwards and then it goes forwards again. So we have these mm -hmm. periods we call retrograde periods. And I believe yeah. they happen, I know they happen in tropical astrology, I know they happen in Vedic astrology. I don't know about some of the other traditions. And this is something that you and I have a, mm -hmm. a, an interest in things like Chinese astrology and Mayan astrology. Yeah all those roots of other astrologies and Egyptian astrology is something the Western tradition owes a great deal to. But this idea that these different systems developed within their cultures to speak to the people who lived in those civilizations and those cultures, but there's something common. There's something shared that's universal. And that's why I love talking with Serena because right. yeah. we practice very different astrology, but we never find ourselves arguing about astrology, we find ourselves no. finding the commonalities. Yes, because it, it all complements each other and, and someone can have a tropical reading and they can have a Vedic reading and it will just complement it and have maybe have a little more information about one thing or a little more information about the other thing. Um, and um, so I think that it's, it, they're all sciences that help us, they're gifts. Just like I was saying earlier, Ayurvedic medicine, you know, is a gift and, mm -hmm. and um, the, so is the um, Vedic astrology. So that these are gifts that can help us in life and guide us. Um, and I always often explain that a retrograde, and probably you do as well, about the, you know going along the freeway and you pass a car and the mm -hmm. car is still going the same direction, but but you know you're leaving it behind. <laughs> yes. So, things like that, you know, it's not that a planet like says, uh oh, I've got to go back now. We're <laughs> going the wrong way. That's such a beautiful <laughs> but, um, <laughs> way to say it. I love that you said that. I think that makes it much more visually clear to people. Yes, yes. Um, but they do have an effect. And mm -hmm. um, Mercury retrograde, for instance, and what I always look at is, is just work a little bit more on something that you've already started mm -hmm. um, instead of just rushing into something new. And because it's Mercury, it's particularly related to communications, as you know, and like signing a document, very mercurial thing. Um, we, we don't do that in a Mercury retrograde. And if we have to, though, because I have clients who, who have to sign a document in business, and mm -hmm. Mercury's retrograde, and they have to. So we just find something really good, a really good day with all the other planets and do it. But um, generally, something new in the form of communications, especially when you're signing or launching, is recommended to be done with a Mercury direct, and the Mercury retrograde doesn't mean do nothing because some people think, oh, I shouldn't do anything to. No, no, it's it's just um, finish something that you've already started. If you're writing an article, don't uh, send it to print, but go back and go over it and um, see where you might have made a mistake or something or add to it or something like that. So um, it's it's far doing that, and sometimes we can see more clearly the detail that we you know we want to change or something. Um, so I think that's really what, uh, in a way, they help us, the retrogrades, in going over what we've already been doing and then launch and start something when the retrograde is over. 
and it's the same with others like venus might be more related to relationships but also artistic things some you know artistic disputes and um all the creativity and so you, you would work on it while it's retrograde and so people find um like with relationships they might have some counseling or things like that when it's retrograde um, if they have a problem going over things and then when it goes direct then they find that they've solved an, solved an issue by then. Um, but don't waste a retrograde. Go over what you've already been doing and, and perfect it. What a fantastic way to use the energy. I like to say that retrogrades are all about the RE words. Review, refresh, remind, oh, yes. research, Perfect. You know, release, yes. um, rekindle. And, and those words, they have some energy in them where it's like, oh, okay. I may have to look under the rug and see what's been hiding out that I've been not paying attention to. Yeah. And it can really make a difference. In fact, I, I like to think of retrogrades as, you know, the plan is going forward, then it appears to go backwards and then it goes forwards again. So it's a sort of a one, two, three rhythm. And mm -hmm. I, I like to think of the rhythm as beginning. And I think many astrologers look at this in particular, which is, um, you know, it's funny. This is a little secret about astrologers. We kind of have a real relationship with numbers and information, don't we? You know, we have mm -hmm. all these, all these little, um, well, they're called ephemerides, where we have these tables yes. of information about where's right. the planet located, what degree of the sign is it in. And so when we look at a retrograde, and particularly for Mercury, since it happens in such a short two and a half week period, right. yeah. we know that when the planet goes retrograde, it's at a certain degree. So for example, in uh on march 5th 2019 um it's well this is it this is the tropical zodiacs so i realize that we're going to yeah. be tw 23 degrees different but it's at a particular degree mm -hmm. uh of pisces and then it goes all the way retrograde back so it starts at uh i believe 30 degrees pisces goes all the way back to 16 degrees so what happens is you start to look at well when was it at 16 degrees before it it advanced right. all the way to 30. Oh, yeah. So that's about a week mm -hmm. and a half in advance. Then after it goes direct again, you think, well, how long will it take to get, and for a second time, cross over that 30 degrees? And that's typically another uh, mm -hmm. a week or two. So you get the whole cycle of energy yes. now, right? Yes, and, and, that, and, that's, and the difference, the, the main um, difference is, that um, in Vedic we have it at five Pisces when it's doing mm -hmm. the retrograde is still Pisces in this mm -hmm. case um, because there's 23 degrees difference and um, yeah. so if someone has, has got their tropical chart in front of them when you look at the tropical position Diane's position mm -hmm. and if you've got your Vedic chart you look at um, you know the Vedic position but it all makes sense but you have to go by your Vedic chart for Vedic and your tropical chart for tropical or it will get very confusing <laughs> yeah and yeah. yet the dates i'm sure the dates match up beautifully because the dates oh yeah the dates are the, are same, the same because it's retrograding it's, yeah. it's a fact yes exactly yeah. it's a march of fifth which exactly. is great i'm always intrigued mm -hmm. i wish i knew more about chinese astrology because they have they have a different approach they have you know they have a lifetime and they have a year mm -hmm. and they have a day and they have an hour and within which each of those cycles is operating in very particular ways in terms of fortuitous yeah. and not so fortuitous times to uh, initiate action or focus on certain things and they have consuming and then they have releasing directions they have all these different directions that they factor in so when people say mm -hmm. I'm born in the year of the dog or the year of the, the year of the ox 
you have to look at when does Chinese New Year begin and you look at all these different yes. calendars as well, right? And they're so amazing. I don't, yeah, I haven't studied all of, of the Chinese, but it is incredible um, as far as the animals, the description of the animal mm -hmm. for a person, but also the, um, you know, the symbol, for instance, but also the, the whether it's metal or water or, mm. you know, the a mineral or, it's it's amazing. It really amazes me how the description fits the person. But yeah, I haven't gone into it. I I do want to expand into all kinds of astrology. <laughs> it's too much. Well, we we yeah. we talk about being educated. We'd be there in our little ivory tower for the for our entire lives, you know, and beyond. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we would. But you have many more things to do out there in the world, and I want to just you know let people know that uh, you know Serena has her feet very much on the ground as well as her head in the beautiful skies above. And she does something that I will say really takes a tremendous amount of, uh, I'm going to say skill, talent, presence of mind in her work as someone who uh, coordinates and organizes um, these events that are expos, the Conscious Life Expo here in Los Angeles mm -hmm. is a, a, a quite an extraordinary, it has a long tradition in, took many forms and was organized by other people sometimes in the past. Uh, but it brings together people from so many different, um, I'm going to say mystical traditions, health traditions, consciousness traditions, uh, metaphysical traditions, and collects mm -hmm. them all together in a beautiful multi-day event that invites the public to attend. And you are somebody who puts together that in a way that allows people to flow and go with their intuition when they're attending it, but it has to be organized. People have to know, where do I set up my booth? When do I do my talk? Where do I go? How does this happen? Oh, yes. It's you know, so what's incredible. the map? <laughs> um, I, I, it's a group of us. It's a team. You know, I'm just one of a team. Um, I couldn't do it all at all. And yeah. um, some of the others do a lot more than me. And as far as the organizing, um, the timings, you know, um, the most important thing is not to have someone a speaker, for instance, who has the same kind of subject matter up against another speaker with the same mm. subject matter. So that's a really, that's, I see to that with the speakers I bring in, mm. that I make sure of that. But then there'll be someone, I, I do a lot of the um, uh, ancient knowledge, like what we call ancient aliens now, because the show, you know, we used to call it ancient secrets. And then mm -hmm. since the show ancient aliens, we call it ancient aliens, of course, mm. um, that section. And then um, also the UFO section, um, and you know a lot. A lot of that also extends to consciousness now, because we really, you know, we know that if, if things to do with other planets, our consciousness is the most important way to understand it. You can't understand it in a nuts and bolts way. So that that does extend to to consciousness. Um, so all that I, I put in in those speakers and help with um, George Norrie of Coast to Coast M help his. Um, meet and greet and um, you know like put a little help into various parts of the expo um, but assign you know get the um, uh, uh, the produce I mean the um, speakers that I have I get them um, you know sign their contract and uh, go over everything with them and get their information in for the program guide and their bios and and then I also host the UFO panel on Sunday and um, mm -hmm. people really enjoyed it. They they really enjoyed it. I, I had different people who understand different facets of the subject all together and answering questions about it. So, uh, yeah, people really enjoyed it. 
So we just, just finished. completed it. Yeah, you just finished uh, yeah. the one for this year. Now, typically yeah. it's in February every year. Am I right here in Los yeah. Angeles? Yes, it is. So mm -hmm. uh, uh, if, if it's okay with you, I'm going to put the link to their website down in the show notes in addition to your yeah. link. So people Absolutely. can just kind of, if they're interested for next year, they can just put it in their calendar with a little reminder and say, oh, I want to check this out for next year. The live stream, which is not live oh. anymore, obviously, but okay. with Gaia. Yeah, uh -huh. if, if somebody is a member of Gaia, um, they can, can see our speakers, um, not all of them, of course, but um, some of the main speakers mm -hmm. and panels, um, including my panel, you can see on the Gaia live stream. of, of the Now, is that Gaia.org or is it a different site? You can go from our site, from Conscious Life Expo, ah. to the live stream oh, okay. as well. Yeah. Good. Well, I'm going to like put that information in there. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm going to put that there so people can take a look at it. And you know, right. just as a reminder, again, I talked about Serena as having a multifaceted background. She really has a background in the entertainment industry. And here in Los Angeles, mm -hmm. we all know what that means. It's a very multi-layered, complex industry. She first worked for the BBC in London, and then as a personal assistant to two Hollywood celebrities in LA. So she really has bridge that world across uh, a couple of continents here and understands mm -hmm. what it takes to really get people to be in an experience such as an expo where everybody gets a chance to be heard you know what the options are so you can choose your own journey and that in itself i think is really very consistent with something that i'm now going to share a little whisper that serena mentioned to me and she said this mm -hmm. she said if you want to make others happy you have to first be happy yourself. And I think there's something underneath that I would like you to share if you would, Serena. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there was a long time, um, a part of my life I didn't realize that. Um, so it'll be back in my early 30s. Um, so I just had my son um, and, um, and I was in a really um, you know, difficult marriage, um, not very, not happy at all. And, um, uh, that's putting it lightly, really. Um, so um, a friend of mine who is an actress, she said, and, and I had, a, you know, a new baby, but she said, I have to get you to this psychic friend of mine. And, and he, she was in a movie with him, and, but he was also psychic. And so she had met him and he was amazing. So I have to get you to him. She, she got me and the baby into the car. <laughs> we drove over oh, that's, that's an accomplishment and, with a new baby. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, and um, yeah, it was really tough. Um, but uh, yeah, she got me to go, um, which of course I loved the idea, but you know, mm -hmm. it, it was hard at the time. Yeah. But she wanted to help because she could see the situation I was in. Mm -hmm. And um, and so um, I, I was asking him various questions and he said to me, you know, you could be uh, uh, just a, a nice martyr for the rest of your life, or you could choose happiness. And he said, Serena, I think you're going to choose happiness for yourself. And when he said that, I first felt very uncomfortable because I felt that it was selfish to choose happiness for myself. Uh, and I think he, he could see that, obviously, um, you know, because I, you know, I grew up, I, I was already in service and, you know, when you um, live a spiritual life, you know, and you, you feel yourself in service to others and, and to God and the planet and everything. And I felt, you know, I was thinking, well, as long as I'm always in service, then I will make good karma. But also, I, you know, I'm making spiritual advancement, right? So I thought, oh, this is, sounds selfish to me. So I was thinking that to myself. 
And he said, well, he said that, and this is very, like everyone knows this now, right? But I didn't then. Um, he said, it's just like anything. If you are, um, if you are, have money, and then you can give it to others that are in need. If you have food, then you can feed others that need food. So it's the same with happiness. If you have happiness, then you can make others happy. Don't think you're going to make others happy if you're not happy first. And and that was a huge change in my life. That was something really important. And and I think people know that now because it, it's discussed more like on on television talk shows or you know in in on the you know on all the self help. But at that time, I hadn't had much of of the self help or anything. So um, yeah, it was life changing. And so, you know, that got me out of, of the marriage and everything and helped me grow confidence. And it was a slow process of getting away from fear because I had some fear still, um, quite a lot of it, actually. Um, so that was the whole process of healing and giving up fear and becoming confident. And I always feel I'm, I'm still on the path, you know, of, of everything. But, um, yeah, that's important. So whatever you want to do for others, you have mm. to have that first. And happiness is one of them. <laughs> So you've said something so, so quietly profound, and that is that you stepped outside of what seemed possible and you listened to something presented privately, quietly, and you had an opportunity to take it on or not take it on. And you chose mm -hmm. to see what would happen if you did take it on. It's interesting to see how whispers work. Wows, we like yeah. to, we love to pay attention to. They're dazzling, they're external, they're usually visible in some way, or we see somebody that appears to be moving quickly and you know, making a difference in the world in a way that's really visible. Then we see people who do the quiet work that sometimes makes a big difference. And it could be literally putting your hand on someone's shoulder when they need a little bit of comfort. Or it could yes. be, you know, something where you just listen to someone. Yes. 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 Uh, that was life changing. And it's such a simple little thing that he said. And I, I can't even remember all the other information. And of course, mm -hmm. I do that for others. And I was already doing readings for others then mm -hmm. in, in more of a simple way. I didn't do a lot of astrology until computers. Um, <laughs> but, um, but yes, um, I was already doing it. But then I could do it a lot better myself once yeah. I accepted that. Yeah. And when you talk about sharing love, that's why um, I'm really um, like to take part in what's called the Love Button Global Movement. And that's oh. why I'm always wearing a love button um, because that's what it's about, sharing acts of kindness. It might just be a few words to someone um, or doing a little favor, um, even, you know, even especially actually for people you don't even know. And it can change their life or it could change their day or it could change their life, just, just like that happened to me. And, and also, they take that to others, whatever we can do for someone to make their day better or help them, um, even with words. They also feel that, that love and they share that with someone else. So this is something that really has developed a movement around it called the Love Button Global love Movement. Love Button Global Movement. About how that began from, uh -huh. from um, Dr. Habib Sadegi. But that, there's a link on my website. So you okay. can read the story and I put it on there. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Wonderful. Um, and I know you help uh, do some volunteer work for refugees uh, with the, mm -hmm. is it called the TIA Foundation? TIA, TIA Foundation, mm -hmm. yes. It's T-I-Y-Y-A. Mm -hmm. That's in Orange, Orange County. Orange County. Yeah. So 
So what I'm hearing from Serena is that she has two perspectives, which is the one that is is as expansive as the skies above and the one that is as, I'm going to say, present and tangible as the earth here below, the one we walk around on every day. We're happy to have gravity serving us that we can do that. And Mm -hmm. that you, you find yourself able to coexist and be present in both of those worlds. And I'm using the word coexist because it's going to lead me down a little pathway. I'm going to say is you could call it synchronicity and coincidences and all those things that tend to align themselves in ways that we don't often see how are these things connected? How do they match up? What is it that's the through line that keeps us interested in the sort of collection of actions and interests we have in our personal life. And I know that synchronicity is something that's important to you, Serena. Oh, yeah, it is. Yes. So yeah, my life, I feel, you know, I get guided by dreams, but I get guided by synchronicity. And I, I think, you know, that you could say in a personal level, well, that could be our angels, or our spirit guides, putting things in front of us. Um, you know, that, that's one way to look at it. Um, and it might be pre-planned too, before we came here, I'm going to know by this symbol. Or, and, and for me, one of the symbols is the blue butterfly. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's also going to go in my book, which I have only tiny, written about one little <laughs> page of so far, but I plan to get that going. But um, yes, uh, so I see the symbol of the blue butterfly as one of, of the things that has come into my life. And, um, and I'll know perhaps if I meet someone and there's a blue butterfly in a painting, Oh, I, you know, maybe I've known this person before, or maybe I'm supposed to listen to this message, or things like that. Um, and also, amazing things have happened. I, I've had a question in my mind and looked in front, and of a, and there might be a car in front of me that the license plate has the answer, um, uh. and not all the time. So the thing is, I think this is when you accidentally of course there's nearly always a license plate in front of us, but if we have a question in our mind and we just look up we might see that a license plate, or we might see a, a sign or symbol and think, oh, that's the answer to what I had in my mind. And I've had so much proof of th- things like this. So I think we're always receiving guidance and just to be aware of that. I don't know if you could hear it on, the, uh, on our recording, but as Serena started to talk about this and talk about seeing things on license plate, there was literally <laughs> a vehicle driving by with a big siren and I heard that yeah. you know and the siren is saying pay attention pay attention I always I'm always intrigued <laughs> with sirens because I live in the city so there's no way to control them in fact I have helicopters above I have sirens beside me I have all kinds of things going on and sometimes I I'm always amused by when do the sirens show up and it's like hmm well you're saying something very important let's pay attention to that there's a big siren behind it so we want to definitely notice this mm-hmm. Yeah, isn't that amazing? Yes, it's true. That's, that's something exactly, synchronicity. <laughs> mm-hmm. So synchronicity is intriguing too because it gives, I'm intrigued as we explore this and the way you've shared about it, that there's another aspect to it, which is not that, let me put it this way. Sometimes when I hear the word being talked about, it's as if, um, and, and I'm going to go right to a dictionary definition. The simultaneous occurrence of events, which appear significantly related, but have no discernible causal connection. Okay, what does that mean? Cause and effect has a tendency sometimes to say, well, if I did this, that's going to happen. Or this idea that 
I'm going to be validated or made right by something. And I think that can really get in the way of, of enjoying the power of synchronicity. It's, a, it's more yeah. of a, a convergence, right? It's more of a, a sort of a blending of energies that say, ah, now there's a heightened, you could call it a heightened sensitivity, a heightened alertness for something that may be being created in this moment. Not so much that you're being told you're right or told you're not right. I, I don't know. What do you think about that idea? Yes, it's like um, it's it. We have to sort of do the work and realize that it is synchronicity. That's, mm -hmm. That it's not always, you know, we could be oblivious to it if we're we're not careful. Exactly. Um, and I and I'm thinking of another more strong example where there was one time. Um, well, it was 17 years ago because it was the beginning of the expo, um, uh -huh. and um, uh, my husband had a lot of work in Escondido. And we were thinking, well, should we live in Escondido for a while? And it was, and the, the person who, who's his friend um, was trying to persuade us to do that. And well, my husband likes to be near the ocean, and that's not exactly near the ocean, so mm. he wasn't sure. And then I um, was thinking, well, you know, maybe um, that you know uh, we're meant to because it's sometimes you know the universe gives you things that um, you're meant to do. We don't always think of saying no. We think, okay, maybe the universe is giving us this and we're supposed to do it. But mm -hmm. I was not comfortable because I like to be near Los Angeles and I like to be, of course, uh, you know, near various events that, mm -hmm. at that time before the expo that I might want to attend um, as well. So um, I wasn't comfortable, but I was thinking about it. And then it, I think it was that day that my friend um, who, knew, who knew the executive producer of what was to become Conscious Life mm -hmm. said, you know, explained he's starting up at the conference in LA uh -huh. and um, he wants to meet you um, for the sections of the UFO, the ancient, all that kind of thing. He doesn't know much about all that, wants to do that and um, have someone in charge of that area. So um, he wants to meet you at the Hilton. So that was the day that I was trying to decide was the same day as I had the meeting. Ah. And, <laughs> and I thought, oh, this is a sign, you know. Um, and so um, it was amazing because that's, you know, much more me. So uh, I got the, um, you know, the, the synchronicity was going very strongly there as mm. being the same time as, as I was making up that, had to make that decision. Well, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a wonderful thing. You had an external... Um, prompt, if you will, from another person who said, mm -hmm. oh, I, I'd like you to consider this. I have, I have some completely different information you don't have, and I'm going to share it with you. And let's see what that does in terms of your yeah. choices, your decisions, your options. You know, I'm, I'm mindful of the fact that we are speaking um, in ways that might not sound astrological, but in many ways they are. It's about making mm -hmm. life, life choices. I, you know, I I want to share that one of the things I really find very useful that I take on, even though I'm using Western astrology, I take on from the Vedic tradition, which in Vedics it's called Rahu and Ketu, and in the Western mm -hmm. tradition it's called the North Node and the South Node. It's a particular arrangement of the moon relative to the earth in, in terms of tracking the nodes. And one of the things that also I found fascinating about Vedic astrology was um, this little piece of information that came my way, it was almost like a little phrase. I don't even know who said it or where I read it. It said, you know, it's a good idea in the Vedic tradition for you to go live in your Saturn city. It'll be really difficult at first, but eventually you'll learn so much. And I thought, 
Mm. Oh my gosh, I did that in the Western tradition. I looked at my chart <laughs> and I, you know, my particular, the Saturn location in my native chart is in a particular degree of Virgo. And it happens to match precisely the degree of Virgo for the city of Los Angeles chart when you oh. look at its incorporation. Uh -huh. thought, uh -huh. Oh no, I'm living in my Saturn city. And boy, oh boy, was that interesting because when I moved to Los Angeles, you know, I'd been, I'd been um, immersed in astrology from the time I was a teenager. It just, it just spoke to me. But I remember moving here and I was at a metaphysical bookstore and somebody was working there, happened to be an astrologist, said, oh, I'd like to see a chart. She looked at my chart and she said, oh, my condolences, this is a really tough chart. And I thought, oh dear. And <laughs> I remember thinking, well, that's quite the thing to lay on somebody you just met five minutes ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I would never do that, but I would say that um, it was interesting because when I heard the Vedic point of view, I thought, well, maybe my chart is challenging because maybe I'm, maybe I'm just going to learn so much and I'm going to, you know, get out of this space of, oh dear, and into a space mm -hmm. of, oh wow, and oh my. And apparently it might take a little while because Saturn is, is the slowest moving visible eye planet that we have. So, okay, I guess I got an adventure that might be in front of me. So it's intriguing to mm -hmm. see how we can use symbols to educate ourselves, just like the dreams you were talking about and the synchronicity yeah. you shared. And then going back to what I was saying about making that choice of where to live and, uh -huh. um, and um, you know, like you were saying, it's all, it's all the, the astrology is a map. So yes, mm -hmm. I had all that happening in life, but the mm -hmm. map of what was happening was in the chart. Uh -huh. So, you know, the new opportunity and everything, it was all there. So the thing is, like some people say, well, you know, I had a bad day and because this thing happened. And um, and I'd say, oh, yes, because you have Mars and Saturn. And, and they say, no, because this thing happened. But no, then the planets are a map of what happened. <laughs> so it's yeah. not like that thing, you know, that bad thing happened to you. Yes, it did. And, and that gave you a bad day. But it was already showing in the map here, you know. Um, and so, um, yeah, they, it's, um, it's not something that's separate. And then also we can go by the feeling. So when I made that, we're making that decision of whether to mm -hmm. move or not. Mm -hmm. The feeling of having this offer of working with the expo was the feeling of happiness, complete happiness. Ah. Whereas the feeling of doing that other move was more like, oh, I have to be, um, you know, giving up something again. I have mm -hmm. to be um, not going without a little and not having, you know, everything, sort of giving a bit of a hard life again. Yeah. Um, so that, yeah, it's not time for me to do that. It wasn't time for me to go any more hard. <laughs> yeah, it's like the past is sort of so, knocking on the door and say, hey, I can pull you back in the past. Are you willing to go? I'm, I'm, I'm up for you doing that. And you're like, yeah, no, no yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> that is so exactly it. So, yeah, so we have to watch for these, for these things that happen and um, there's certain timings when they're more likely to. And everything can be used for the best. So, you know, some people, I'm sure it happens to you, they, they say, well, don't tell me anything bad. Well, no, I'm not going to say, oh, this is bad and it's written in stone and that's what's going to happen. But there's certain times when it's best to concentrate on one thing and there's other times when it's good to concentrate on another thing. And, um, you know, there might be a time that's not so good for relationships or a little slow, like yeah. if someone wants to meet someone, but maybe it's very good for their career or it's very good for spiritual and then they're going to meet someone the following year, you know. So, yeah. you know, it's nice to know what to concentrate on and what to focus on and then we'll feel pushed along, like guided along by the energy in the planet. 
I, I think this mapping idea is so great because it's a map, not just of geolocality. I mean, it is, it, there, there are physical locations for certain things, but there's also this notion that it's a map of time and time, oh, time is filled with opportunity. And, and so I, I, like you, I like to look at cycles and say, okay, so here's what's supporting you right here. Here's what's lifting you up and here's what's challenging mm. you. And yeah, some of my, some of my clients, are like, oh, Diane, you always say all, every aspect is good and every planet is good. Well, yeah, but it just may take a little something for you to get to the goodies inside it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I'm going to take, uh, I'm going to invite us to take a short break. Then we're going to be back and finish up a wonderful conversation with Serena Wright-Taylor. So just stay with us for a moment, and then we'll finish off with a couple of thoughts we're going to leave you with. All righty, so we'll be back in a moment. Thank you for being with us on Wow Whispering. In each episode, we present a public service announcement that highlights resources committed to uplifting our quality of life. Look for the episode show notes, which have links to learn more. Today, we are pleased to feature NCGR, which is the National Council for Geocosmic Research. It is a nonprofit organization dedicated to raising the standards of astrological education and research. Along with its U.S. membership, it includes a growing number of national members and sponsors in 30-plus local chapters in 20 U.S. states and four countries. Its special interest groups foster dialogue on various astrological specialties, and its online education and educational conference bring astrologers from around the world together to grow and learn together. Their sister organization is NCGR-PAA and allows students to leverage their astrological education into professional certification. They welcome new members, and you can find out more about them at their website, which is geocosmic.org. That's G-E-O-C-O-S-M-I-C.org. Our second organization is NASA, which is the National Aeronautics and Space Administration. We all know NASA as the place to be if you want to know how to get off the planet and find out extraordinary things about, well, the solar system we live in, for starters. So they're all about the future. So on their website, they ask the question, what's next for NASA? Well, their vision is that we reach for new heights and reveal the unknown for the benefit of humankind. Thousands of people have been working around the world and off of it for decades, trying to answer some really basic questions. What's out there? How do we get there? What will we find? What can we learn there? Or learn just by trying to get there. That will make life better here on Earth. So what's up immediately in the solar system and beyond? Well, NASA is going to add to its existing robotic fleet at the Red Planet, with the InSight Mars lander set to study the planet's interior. The Mars 2020 rover will look for signs of past microbial life, gather samples for future return to Earth, and investigate resources that could someday support astronauts right there on Mars. And they're also going to be sending humans out into the solar system, moon to Mars. The Space Launch System rocket is going to be building on the growing scientific knowledge of our solar system, NASA is developing the most advanced rocket and spacecraft to lead the next steps of human exploration 
farther into space than we have ever traveled before. And then there's the International Space Station. The International Space Station, ooh, doesn't that sound romantic and interesting and kind of overwhelming and definitely a wow all on its own. Humans have already been living and working off the Earth in the one-of-a-kind research laboratory in microgravity. The International Space Station serves as a blueprint for global cooperation and scientific advancement, a destination for growing a commercial marketplace in low Earth orbit and a test bed for demonstrating new technologies. Research on the station is the springboard to NASA's next great leap in exploration, sending humans into deep space. And they've got even more missions planned about flight, space technology, and of course, Earth. So you can learn more about them at nasa.nasa.gov. So what's next is on their page called nasa.gov forward slash about forward slash what's underscore next dot html but you can go there and find it and take a look at our show notes and you'll see more so lots more to learn lots more to discover we are back i am so excited we have been uh just well let's see i was talking about how um, astrology is kind of a map of time, and boy, have we used our time well. Serena Wright Taylor, and mm -hmm. I'm going to spell her name because not everybody, you may want to look her up online. You can go to her website, which is vimana.org, spelled V-I-M-A-N-A.org. Her name is S-E-R-E-N-A, Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T, Taylor, T-A-Y-L-O-R, and um, I also want to mention something about your website. You have some beautiful visionary art by your husband on your website. Yeah. And people are definitely going to check that out. It's just, it's like you've entered, you know, I love websites because they're their own little world that is, is created. It's virtual. It's all little pixels on a computer. But oh my gosh, the world that you can enter into just by going to Serena's site is fantastic. So we've been really covering mm -hmm. quite a bit of cosmic territory here from from Vedic astrology to a little bit of Western astrology to the idea of synchronicity and dreams and the profound gift of happiness. And then the, the sort of very practical side of how you gather together thousands of people for an event and have them all get access to the things they want and the things they need and the things that they are ready to discover in a coordinated and practical way. So Serena, even though you have shared with me, you don't think of yourself as a, modern technology person, you definitely have to be, uh, I'm going to say, simpatico with it to pull all these things together in terms of events and gathering people together so they can communicate well and be there for each other. It's quite a gift. Yeah. Quite a well, skill we too. have experts with, we have experts who are more good at the website and all that. Mm -hmm. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, most of my work is with email and booking, you know, and doing Google Docs is not too bad for me. But um, I'm just learning that. <laughs> Well, there's but, um, always yeah. something to learn. You know, what's the nifty yeah. thing about this is that we live in an era where there's no end to the amount of learning we get a chance to do. Yes. Oh, and I should also let everyone know that my husband's um, uh, website is DouglasTaylorVisionaryArt.com. If they like the paintings on mine, you could see all his paintings there and order them. Oh, good. Is that linked on your site as well? Um, actually, it isn't yet because he got a new website with a, a different name. So is it, I have is it up there now? Is it is it is it um, live and published? 
Oh yeah, his his website's up now. Yes, okay. Optimine was. So it's DouglasTaylorVisionaryArt.com. Yes. Okay, I'll put that in the show notes too. Oh, we have so much information yeah. to share with people. I love it. <laughs> so Serena, what I'd like to do is, as we've been kind of talking about all these different subjects, and we've explored things and things have come up for you, is there anything in particular that you want to share that you're inspired to say? to our listeners that they can take away with them today? Um, well, I'm thinking of this year as a year of action for everyone. Mm -hmm. It started slowly. Um, and then from February on, um, I think that there's a lot of power in what we do now, actually, you know, rather than just thinking it, but taking action for the good. And um, just wanted to, I think that's a very good year for us to do that. Mm. So, um, <laughs> And of course, sometimes better than others, and, and you have to look at your personal chart and um, you know, do email me or, or call. There's a phone number on the website if you want to see um, you know, how that applies to your personal, uh, personal chart. Well, what's also great here is that people have a little benchmark that they can start to sort of dip their toe in the water of uh, what's happening up there in the skies. And that is, let me see if I'm, I'm going to be in the right month here. I'm looking at my ephemeris, and I want to say, that our retrograde period starts on March 5th and it goes right through to March 28th. But again, a week and a half mm -hmm. before, a week and a half after, you may be pick, picking up on themes that are going to mm -hmm. be strong in the air of communications and taking action and getting things done on the sort of personal mm -hmm. level. But we've also got other planets in the mix that bring their gifts and their energies. And so I think it's a great way to recognize that just because Mercury is the busiest planet in the solar system yeah. doesn't mean it's the only one. And so we're kind of just giving you a little introduction into a world of possibility, a world of opportunity, a world of discovery. And how great, Serena, that you have shared with us a way to connect that to some of the ancient knowledge and the ancient mm -hmm. traditions that are still operating. They're still really there for us to powerfully use and tap into in our life and thank you for bringing that wonderful perspective to us it's been a pleasure oh, to be you. with you yes um when i was saying the action i wasn't necessarily um referring it about you know mercury retrograde we we do we, yeah. we do have to prepare and launch but i was thinking of the whole year when someone mm. you know your personal life if you always wanted to make a change mm -hmm. in some way um and then it'll actually even improve the following year but on the whole um, you know, for everyone, I I just feel that, um, especially those on the spiritual path and and of service and all that, it's time for us to to actually get acting, um, do some action, um, as well as our usual meditation and spiritual work as well. Well, it is, and you know, there's another tradition we can pull in here for just a little tiny uh, hint at something else that reinforces what you're saying, and that is numerology. When you look at the uh, symbolism of numbers. 2019 mm -hmm. is a, you add those numbers up to two plus the one plus the nine, they end up to 12. You add the one and the two and it's a three years. So it's a year of expansion and possibility and opportunity. So how perfect oh. that you are presencing that for us. <laughs> Fantastic. Lovely. Well, thank you again. And we will be with everyone very soon. Have a blessed time until we meet next. Thank you so much. Thank you. What a pleasure to be with you in the world of wow whispering. As we complete this episode, I invite you to notice the wows and whispers that enliven 
or challenge as they fulfill life for you in both tiny moments and transforming experiences. I wish you the very best until we meet next time.